Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Welcome back to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Machado. With me, as always, is Carter Baines, and it's been two weeks. Carter, we have we did by week last week we didn't get together, um, so we have a good show today. We're going to talk a little Cal recap, fun game, fun fun win a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk about some MVPs from the season so far. We're two thirds of the way through the season. We're going to talk about some areas that maybe have surprised us so far, and maybe some areas we'd like to see some more improvement. Talk a little recruiting because um, the Beavs have picked up a commitment. Uh, since we last spoke, uh, we'll talk some Arizona, of course, go through quick hits and damn questions. So we have a full show. Carter, let's first of all, before we start talking Cal, we're taping this on Tuesday. What's all this stuff I'm seeing about the NC2A and could we get NC2A football back? Uh, well, that would be a dream come true for me because that's probably the greatest video game of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> so, um, to say that I, uh, I've been disappointed every year when um, when a new edition doesn't come out would be an understatement. So uh, I, I think, you know, obviously there's benefits to to the players and everything um, with with this new rule that could come out about uh, profiting from the use of their likeness and everything. But selfishly, of course, I, I just want the video game get back because that's really all that I care about. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So my son, my youngest son likes to play it. What is it? Twenty fourteen was that the last year they had it? Yeah, which came out in thirteen actually. Thirteen. So, so it's been six years. Wow. You know who else wants that is EA Sports. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they've got a lot be of money there. Lots of money. So, so you are buying a new one every year. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I'm not a video gamer, so um, I have played the NC two A fourteen with my kiddo. We always fight over who gets to be the Beavs. So you know, there's that. Um, so, no, I mean, I think that's big news. I, I don't think the players are going to get rich off of this, but no. um, I mean, it is, it's a start in the right direction. Okay. So it's been, you know, gosh, over a, about a little over a week, week and a half since the big cow win. I haven't spoke to you since then. How big was that win for coach Smith and the Beavers? Oh, it was huge. Um, you know, it probably, in my opinion, coach Smith's best win uh, at Oregon State, you, you look at the Colorado game last year and the way that one unfolded, maybe that one kind of um, competes for the title of best win for Smith, uh, you know, coming back from a big deficit. But in terms of putting together a complete game against a really solid opponent, uh, this win against California was probably uh, you know, the best game Oregon State's played under Smith and his staff um, in terms of you know, offensively going in and uh, really taking it to probably the second best defense in the conference. And then defensively, they just completely shut down the Golden Bears. So uh, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a signature win for Smith, but probably uh, the best one he's gotten so far in his year and a half in Corvallis. Agree. You know, I mean, that the Colorado win last year was big just because of where the team was and where the program had been, in my opinion. But, mm -hmm. you know, that was not as much Oregon State being amazing as it was Colorado completely melting down. Um, yeah. Whereas this game, whereas I, I think Beaver fans 
can be really critical. I, I think sometimes they can lose the sight of the forest for the trees. Um, you know, Oregon State did have that kind of third quarter slump. They were able to kind of pull out of it. But, you know, talking to, I, I was on a Sirius XM Pac-12 radio last week right after the win. And it's interesting because whereas Beaver fans were complaining on in the lodge and things just that it wasn't a great offensive performance the national pundits from a national perspective they were impressed with the offense because you know against the cal defense you have to be able to grit it out be able to just you know you're going to not score on every drive you're not going to be as is maybe multi-dimensional as you want to be and you know from a more national perspective those guys were super complimentary toward oregon state and and doing what they had to do um, defensively, that was the best performance I've seen from an Oregon State team in years with um, just an overall really good effort. So um, signature win, like you said. I don't know. I think it could. I mean, Cal's kind of melting down now, but um, I mean, that's a pretty big win. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. I mean, sure, Oregon State didn't put up a ton of points, but still against California's Nobody has defense, against like, Cal. Yeah. That, that was almost the highest point total by any team uh, that Cal's played. And so, yeah. You know, three touchdowns, sure, that's that's not a ton, but you have to keep it in perspective. And then, you know, some of the uh, naysayers will say defensively, oh, well, they should have a good game. They're playing against, you know, not a very good quarterback, and the offense as a whole is pretty inept and at Cal. Well, when was the last time we saw Oregon State do what they did against anybody? You know? Exactly, exactly. So it, it, it's a sign of improvement regardless of who they're playing. I mean, it's still a Pac-12 line. I mean, this was a team that went in. Cal beat Ole Miss earlier in the season. So, mm-hmm. um, and this is a team that, well, maybe not the top of the Pac-12. Um, and how about looking back at this week? You know, Oregon State had the bye, but did you watch any of the Cal-Utah game? I didn't catch any of it. I saw the score, though. Yeah, so 35-0, and Utah held Cal to, uh, like, 85 yards total offense. Yeah, I'm not Crazy surprised good. at all. Yeah, that's yeah. just so, that's the best defense against the worst offense in the conference. So I'm I'm totally going off script here, but it's it's interesting. So you know I watched the Oregon Washington State game as well. Did you see that one? Yep, I saw the last. Uh, I saw the, the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, great, it was a great game, but I, I got into a discussion with a Duck fan, who I think he thinks I'm just being a hater. But Duck, hey, that was the best. That last drive by Herbert was probably the best thing I've seen from him all year because Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not a huge I don't I don't really understand the whole um he's a good quarterback but this whole talk about him being a you know first round draft pick kind of thing Heisman candidate I I, I just don't understand that I don't buy that but that was a great last drive that he that he had but the this duck fan told me that I was letting my orange colored glasses cloud the fact when I said Oregon State versus Utah in the Pac-12 title game Utah all the way that they have a stronger offense and defense, and I could see them, you know, shutting down Oregon. What are, What are your thoughts? Am yeah, I just no, you, orange, orange colored glasses, or is Utah no, the better I, team right now? I, I think you know I picked Utah to win the conference in the preseason, and I stand by that prediction now. I think Utah defensively is head and shoulders above anybody in the conference, and I I think you could throw them against any team in the country, and they could you know, pretty well slow anyone down. Uh, you know, throw them against an SEC offense like Alabama or LSU, and I think that they're going to have a shot. Um, that's how elite that that unit is. So, uh, you know, I I wish we could see Utah and Oregon head to head, you know, earlier in the season to kind of you know get that championship preview and maybe get a, a, 
a rematch there, but no, it's all speculation until then. And, um, you know, as, as good as Oregon's looked this year, I just don't know if they could move the ball against Utah because, I mean, nobody's been able to do that. I know, I know. So it'll be, I mean, interesting. And I totally, like I said, went off script there, but I think it's intriguing. And I think it's an interesting topic for, for Pac-12 fans in general. Um, I know every week, the 24-7 Pac-12 publishers, we do a, a Pac-12 power ranking. And so my, you know, the first four are pretty easy. I have Utah, Oregon, Washington, USC. Yeah, and I agree. The bottom, the bottom one was easy in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And now that middle is is a complete mess. I, I put Oregon State at six. I actually think you know they've they've shown a lot, and um, but honestly, I mean that was I could have put them as low as nine or ten, and probably been just fine too. So um, it's it's well, really that that middle is kind of a, a mess right now. But I think the top four are kind of in their spot. The bottom Colorado is in his, their spot, and then it's kind of everyone else jumbled in the middle. Well, I got to say, Oregon State really drew the short straw in not getting to play Colorado this year. Cause, I know. Um, you know, I mean, playing them last year and getting that win was obviously huge for the program, but you play them this year, and that's another win that gets you closer to bowl eligibility. Uh, you know, just the way that the conference schedule lines up, it's it's unfortunate that they don't get them. But, um, you know, getting a couple wins against Cal and UCLA, teams that, you know, they line up and could beat, you know, that's big, but... Um, yeah, I mean, to not play all of those teams at the bottom of the conference is uh, not favorable. Yeah, it's not favorable, but that's, I guess, the way it, it works. But yeah, to play Colorado, you think about that. Like, dang, if we could, if Oregon State could have played Colorado instead of Utah. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, just change it up a little bit. Okay, so we are, what are we, two-thirds the way through the season? Yep, Three-fourths through the season? Two-thirds. Um, let's just jump in and talk a little bit about MVPs. Who do you got? Who let's let's kind of give out some mid-year game balls, I guess, if you will. Who would you pick for your MVPs right now? All right. Well, let's start with the obvious and go with Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, um, offensively, Hodgins. Probably the. I mean, not probably. He is the top receiver in the conference, um, both statistically and I think skill-wise. At this point, he's just proven that he's. Um, just like elite at getting open. He's elite once he has the ball. Um, the He's elite touchdowns. when he misses the ball. I mean, there was I, that yeah, play he, that, I mean, you know, he, he knocked away an too, interception, so. you know? So, I mean, that was such a heads-up play. I, You know, you can't argue that one at all. Um, I would have to say that, you know, either Art, uh, Artavis Pierce or B.J. Baylor, both of those guys have, mm-hmm. have uh, B.J. kind of come on as of late, but that's one that we kind of watched all spring and, and fall. But um, I think both of those guys have done very well yeah give them a lot of credit for stepping in with uh jefferson out Um, yeah i mean we we knew they had it in them because we've seen what they've been able to do throughout their careers and fall in uh spring camp this year even too with with baylor especially so yeah give them credit doesn't come as a surprise to me at all um now offensive line it's it's funny those guys are like the unsung heroes i think Mm-hmm. And they're hard to judge, you know, for the general fan that's just watching. But, you know, we have Peter Riley Osborne, a former offensive lineman himself, played offensive line at Willamette University and, and loves the trenches and, and watches them and does breakdowns for us. He's been super high on the offensive line this year, except for some mental mistakes by Kipper, you know, some different penalties and things he's got as of late. But um, 
he actually texted me doing the film breakdown after the Cal game and said, Oregon State's offensive line could beat the Ducks if they played this well. Yeah. No, so I've that's, been really that's high praise, you know. Um, and, and that's without Nate Eldridge. That's with Noose mm-hmm. uh, playing center. And Gus Lavaca was out of the Cal game. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if I give the game ball to the entire line, but um, I, I think they've done a, a good job as well. Yeah, you, you talk about Noose and Clay Cordasco, Brandon Kipper, all stepping into these new starting roles. And, man, they've been really, really good, um, you know, coming coming from a position where they're not, they haven't necessarily started many games in their career before this year. Um, you know, it, it looks like they've been starting as long as Lavaca and Brandell out there. So, um, you know, we all know how good the left side of the line is with Brandell and Lavaca. Um, but I, I've been really impressed by Kipper, especially, you know, he's he's had those mental mistakes, like you mentioned, the holdings, the false starts. But um, no, I, I thought he's he's looked really good early in his career. And I think he could turn into something special. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move defensively. I mean, there, I, I think there's some there's several guys. I don't even know who you're going to go with, but uh, give me a, somebody on defense. Well, I'll start with Hamaka Rashid. OK. Um, top of the conference and near the top of the country in sacks and tackles for loss. Uh, I think he's up around 14 tackles for loss yeah, now, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's two per game. That's a really, really impressive pace to be on. Um, after last week, he led the country in solo sacks. All nine of his sacks are unassisted. So that's, you know, he's making these plays by himself. It's not like yeah. he's getting a whole yeah. lot of help. Um, so I, I've just been, I, I mean, there's not enough that you can say positively about um, how good he's been this year, just getting into the backfield. Yeah, the linebackers in general, I think, have been um, big. I think the play at middle linebacker has been much improved over the past few years. And mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll give a MVP shout out to Avery Roberts. I think yep. the past couple games, he's really kind of shown what the coaches, you know, expect didn't want him to be I think he's kind of settled into his role and um, kind of grown into the player that um, everyone was expecting him to be yeah he's in on every play it seems like not necessarily coming up with a tackle but you know he, he leaves a footprint on just about every play and yeah, then against yeah. Cal you know he, he missed the previous game with the concussion comes out against Cal leads the team with double digit tackles yeah, yeah. I mean, just major impact player. And, and I, I think that's maybe an area, uh, it's not maybe, it is an area that Oregon State really had struggled with really the past five, six years is, is really solid play in the middle. And and having those guys, you know, I, I think Omar Spates has done a good job um, at times, but I think sometimes the the you see his youth and he'll over over pursue or he'll take a wrong angle. And that's, that's just being a true freshman. One shout out for me, and, and this is, I, I think, media i think fans have been very hard on this player over the years but i love the heart and the hustle and the play we've seen from elu Aiden this this mm-hmm. uh this year i think he's shown a lot um in the you know in the in the face of a lot of people kind of being down on him for the past few years yep this was going to be my next pick for mvp he's just i mean he's so much more athletic this year than we've seen from him really throughout his career and um I think we saw a lot of that against Cal. You know, he's he's getting into the open field and making these open field tackles. Um, you know, oftentimes we see him make shoestring tackles and save big plays. And it's like, wh- well, where was this the last few years? 
It's yeah, just because yeah. he's gotten so much uh, he's gotten so much better shape. He's more conditioned. He can stay on the field longer. Um, you know, it was it was a big point of emphasis for him this off season, and I think his work is really showing. Yeah, there was one play. Um, it was a, a broken play where Monster broke free to scramble, and now Elu did not catch him. But what I loved is that he pursued him. He went after him, and you know, Elu of last year would have just kind of stood there yeah, and, and let him go I, yeah. because. And I mean, I mean, do you remember the play? That, uh, not that particular play, okay. um, no. But but I can pinpoint you know multiple times a season, not just in the Cal game, um, where he's where, done that. Yeah, where he actually makes and he he might not make the play, but he's actually in pursuit and and trying, which is you know we wouldn't have seen that in years past. He would have mm-hmm. given up before before he even tried. So um, anybody else defensively? Yeah, I mean, let's give a shout out to Riley Sharp too. Yeah, he's yes. really come oh, yeah. on of late. A, yeah. Well, and then Jordan Whitley, you're talking athletic defensive lineman. Sometimes he's almost too athletic. I've seen him yeah. like <laughs> blow through a line and then just basically fall because the guy he's blocking, he's just pancaked. So, um, I, there, you know, there's, there's a long way to go, but I think there's definitely a lot of, a lot to celebrate special teams wise. One shout out for me. And that's uh, Daniel Rodriguez, the punter. He's done yeah. some, done some good things this year yeah no i've been really impressed by uh by his ability to to pin opponents deep in their own territory um yeah i don't have the stats pulled up right now on how many times he's had a punt down inside the 20 but it's a pretty considerable number and you think about flipping a field position helping out the beaver defense um you know the defense still has its struggles and so to give opponents long fields 80 plus yards that goes a long way it does, um, you know, keeping 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 him out of field goal range and making it harder to get into the red zone with with a long field. That's, um, you know, that's a skill of of a punter that really goes unnoticed. I think at times, and you know, it's huge for Oregon State to have that this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so what are some areas now that we are two thirds to the season? What are some things that you've seen this year from this Beaver team that have surprised you, good or bad? Uh, well, I would start with the offensive line. We already touched on this a little yeah. bit, but I, th- I think there was this sentiment uh, throughout fans and maybe even a little bit in the media going into the year that you know, there'd be a drop-off because of all the, the newcomers and everything. Um, but, I mean, like we said, everybody's really stepped up into a, a really a key role there on the line, and I think they've been one of the best groups on the team. I, I completely agree. And, and I was one... I mean, I'll, I'll go right out and say it. I was one that was really questioning that offensive line. I think it was partway through fall camp, though, that I kind of maybe turned the corner because we had a, a media session with Coach Mahalachek. And you know sometimes you can just tell when you talk to coaches. You can just tell by their tone of voice that they're excited about something. Or yeah. um, He was so – you could just kind of tell by what he said, how he answered the questions, that he was excited about this group. And – that made me like, okay, if he's actually on board and not, you know, trying to make, not excuses, but trying to make, you know, some, some adjustments, he, he was really positive early on in fall camp. And that made me kind of stop and pause and say, okay, maybe they're going to be better than we thought, but I do think they're better. Um, secondary, in my opinion, is maybe worse than I thought. Um, yeah, I think it got better agree. this last week when, with David Morris playing more, but, um, oh, Pass, and, and you know what they they did press a little more this this past week so that was 
um, better to see, but that's been a struggle and I thought they would be better this year. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you the credit on that one on them playing a little closer to the receivers after you called I know, them out after, in the press conference. I know. I don't think coach Smith liked me asking that question, but, <laughs> but then they did, they played, you know, they were bumping up the line and maybe threw them off a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it was good to see him play a little more aggressively and I don't really think it cost him at all. Um, you know, and maybe that's a game where they can get away with it a little bit because Monsters' completion percentage on the year is under fifty percent. So yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they felt like they could play play a little more aggressively and you know, kind of afford to to play more aggressively without getting beat. Um, but they were getting beat when they weren't playing aggressive. That's my biggest yeah. complaint. Uh, it's, you know, it's if, just, if you're going to get beat regardless, you might as well. You know. Yeah, I mean. I, I've, I've been disappointed with, with the group, but, I mean, give some of the freshmen some credit. Uh, some of the newcomers, too, Nishan Wright, uh, not necessarily a freshman, but, you know, you know some, some of those guys have, have shown flashes. You know, maybe, maybe they'll be a lot better down the line. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to step into a starting role in this conference uh, with, with those high-powered offenses and, you know, produce right away, so... You know, this is a down year for the group, but there's a lot of a lot of young guys there. There's still some guys like David Morris who will be back next year, um, where where I think that they could take a step forward next year and and in the future. Yeah, I mean, you look at the cornerbacks, especially. I mean, Nashawn Wright arrived right in August. I mean, he didn't even have time to to spend the summer with with the guys. So, um, and then those true freshmen. It, it does remind me a little bit back in the day when when. Keenan Lewis was a freshman and oh gosh, they took their lumps, but you know, became a, you know, a solid corner for the, for the beeves down the line. So, mm-hmm. um, any other areas that have surprised you so far? Um, I guess we could touch on uh, the play of Jake Luton a little bit. Um, you know, his completion percentage isn't the highest, you know, he hasn't been the most accurate, but, the thing that's really surprised me is his just ability to take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, 16 touchdowns to one interception. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like that's, that's like a next level type stat right there. And, you know, I'm not saying he's an NFL caliber quarterback by any means, but you know, that kind of ball control and having the discipline to, to throw it away when you need to, and um, to not force passes, you know, that's, that's a sign of a really, really good quarterback. And that's something that we haven't necessarily seen from him throughout his career. Um, and I think he's really taken a step forward in that department this year. Yeah, I agree with, with Jake. Um, he, he does. There's sometimes that some of his decisions drive me crazy. Um, and then there's other times that I'm like, wow, okay, he's, he's grown a lot. So um, I don't know if I'd say MVP level, but um, it just surprised no. me the way he's taking care of the ball. Um, where do you want to see improvement in the last, you know, quarter of the of the season or third of the season? Well, secondary for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I I wouldn't mind seeing the tight ends get involved a little bit more. You know, Noah Tongi has uh, really started to put a, a good season together after some of the struggles he had early in the year. But you know, I kind of want to see more Luke Musgrave down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, get him a little more involved because. You know, he's a he's a big part of the future of Oregon State's offense, and so I think it'd be beneficial to get him some more reps, um, just in general, not necessarily just in the passing game, but you know, get him on the field a little bit more. 
Yeah. Um, he was targeted once, I know. Um, I remember he didn't catch the ball, which it was like right there too. It would have been a huge first down catch for him. But um, I agree. I mean, I think get him some some touches. Um, the matchups going forward. How, yeah, there's been some talk in the lodge and, and there's some Beaver fans hopeful about, you know, making a bowl game. I, I don't think that, in my opinion, that's a possibility. I mean, I guess it's a possibility. I don't see it happening. I see potential wins against Arizona and Arizona State. But I just don't like the way Oregon State matches up with Washington, Washington State, and Oregon. How about you? What are your thoughts on the matchups going forward? Yeah, I talked, I talked about this with Marcus on his podcast last week. You know, I, I think Oregon State has two really solid chances of getting another win and then a third one, maybe. Um, those two good chances being this week at Arizona. You know, I, I would pick Oregon State to win this game. Um, and then Arizona State, I think you might be able to catch them sleeping. They have some some weaknesses that I think Oregon State could expose. Um, you know, maybe research turns into a little bit of a hostile environment there if it's, you know, one of those cold Corvallis nights and, um, you know, Arizona State's not necessarily prepared for it. We've seen that happen before. But, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the matchup against uh, Washington State. It doesn't. It just doesn't really line up very well for Oregon State. Uh, you know, that secondary going up against an air raid offense. I have a tough yeah. time seeing a win there, but they're going to have to get that one to make a bowl. So, you know, do, do we see them finish with five wins and miss a bowl by one game? And then we're looking back and saying, oh, what if they came away with that win at Hawaii? What if they got Stanford? Um you know, as heartbreaking as that would be, I, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's realistic to see him come away with five wins and just miss out on a bowl. And I think, um, you know, I think we would be wrong to look at it in a disappointed light and say, what if? Because considering where this team was last year and really in the last four or five years, yeah, to win four or five games would be, it's huge. you know, it, it'd be a milestone really at this point in the yeah. rebuild. Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, I know I, I picked four wins this season before the season started. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big and, – and most fans, if you ask the fans before the season, they wanted to see, you know, a few wins and just improvement, and, and we've seen that. So, um, Arizona, let's let's switch gears and start talking a little bit of Arizona. I know you were at Coach Smith's uh, press conference yesterday. Injuries, it's, he's very vague with injuries, but um, it sounds like Eldridge – and um, Tago and Jermar are 50-50. Is that right? Yep. So um, 50-50. I mean, I, I'm not sure what exactly that means. Um, and then questionable is we have a few guys questionable. But um, I think they got most of their guys back. They're, they're kind of ready to go. What are your take takeaways about Arizona? And, you know, facing two quarterbacks and then being a team that just fired their linebacker coach in D.C.? Yeah, there's a little bit of turnover there on the, uh, the defensive leadership crew. And I, I think for good reason, because that team just does not play defense. You know, they're giving up 35 points a game, um, 470 yards of total offense per game. I mean, these these numbers are just astronomical. And I think Oregon State can really take advantage of that. You know, the offense has been the strength of this team for the last two years, really, and especially this year. So you know, there's there's a real opportunity for Oregon state to light up the scoreboard, put up 40 plus points this week. And, um, you know, Arizona's 
got a pretty good offense of their own, but you know, they've shown some inconsistencies this year. Khalil Tate's not playing up to expectations per se. Um, two quarterback system, like you mentioned. So yeah, I, I think it's realistic to say Oregon state's got a real, real shot at winning this. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a shootout, but that's kind of the game that Oregon state wants to play. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my whole thing with Khalil Tate is the fact that someone is trying to make him like a passing quarterback and his strength is running the ball. I mean, if, if they want to, you know, take advantage of Oregon State, I'd be trying to run him because Oregon State still struggles with, with these mobile quarterbacks. I, I just don't see this trying to make him this big passing quarterback. And he's done it. He did it last year as well. But um, I'm anxious to see see how this works out. Um, you know, losing those coaches, it could be a rallying cry for Arizona or it could have maybe splintered them some. We won't know until we they take the field here on Saturday. Yeah, Smith addressed that a little bit in the press conference. You know, sometimes you see a team with uh, a new coach, an interim head coach, or just, you know, some uh, changes in, you know, to a defensive coordinator, and maybe they come out with a little fire underneath them, and it kind of motivates them a little bit. We saw that with Oregon State under Corey Hall after Anderson yeah, left. Yeah. You know, they, they come out and almost beat Stanford. So, uh, you know, he mentioned they're just – they're going to – treat it like any other game they're going to prepare for what they've seen from Arizona defensively all year they're just going to look at the tape and not expect any you know coach smith said 6 days is not a whole lot of time to implement wholesale changes so yeah, yeah. and they uh, know the personnel i mean it's not like um you know they have a whole new squad of players so that's not going to change a whole lot either mm-hmm. um going to talk a little recruiting because that's something I know a lot of fans want to hear. Um, you and I just got done talking about areas we want to see improvement. And it was, it was funny. So I had, we had friends over for dinner on Sunday night and they were talking about uh, the court, the, the secondary and, and recruiting. And they said, you know, they were at the Utah game and they like, Oh my gosh, I can't see anybody committing after that. And I said, well, actually, <laughs> Ronald Harge, junior college cornerback, committed after the after the game. So um, Oregon State picked up a commitment in Ronald Harge, and then they also, I, I I expect you know some a couple others to potentially pull the trigger as Oregon State looks. At, I just did a breakdown on Beaver Blitz yesterday, looking at recruiting and where we stand. Oregon State has 14 commitments right now, and I expect them to take about six more. So um, I expect the class to be right around 20. That would kind of take over the 15 there were five extra spots according to my math that were not accounted for so Oregon State had a cushion of five and then 15 spots opening up from the seniors that will be moving on so there's 20 open spots and then yeah we always see some attrition but I see I really see Oregon State looking to keep a couple of those spots for grad or for grad transfers and the NC2A transfer portal so that's kind of the math and kind of my thinking behind it but um, Oregon State could have, you know, another commitment or two, even this week. So um, I'm watching Alton Julian, who was the commit to Colorado, visited the same weekend with Ronald Harge. And um, he announced on Twitter that he had something to say on Halloween. So I don't know what that might be, but he did open up his recruitment after that visit um, to Oregon State. So that's just something to watch and maybe some help, like immediate help in the secondary. So, um, just to kind of give everyone an update on that. But I think it's time we do a couple quick hits before we jump into the damn questions. And Carter, 
I added up your score from two weeks ago against the Cal game, and you were seven of ten. You're making progress, my man. Yeah, there's improvement there. Um, improvement. Started the season a little rough, but I, I think that's two weeks of seven in a row now. I yeah. want to say. Yeah. So two. So um, really, I mean, you were kind of right on um, with most of your picks. So pretty impressive. I got to give you some credit. Um, are you ready to make your quick hits? Quick hits for this week. Yes. Okay, you know the questions. I'll just refresh them. Will Luton throw for over 300 yards? Yes. Who will the leading rusher be against the Wildcats? I think I have to go with Pierce because Jefferson, like you said, is 50-50. Can't and pull the trigger on him yet. Yeah, and even if he's 50-50, is he going to you know, be in game shape? Yeah, I think okay. they'll, they'll ease him into it. Leading receiver? Hodgins. Okay. Leading, you know what? You missed that one against Cal because you know who the leading receiver was? Togi. Yeah, I saw that. Um, leading scorer? Hodgins. I was actually going to say that. And then I'm like, wait, I'm not answering these questions. <laughs> Takeaways, over or under two? Under. Sacks, over or under two? Hmm. You know, that's tricky because Tate's, you know, so crafty getting out of the pocket. But um, I'll, I'll go over. I, I think Oregon okay. State's done a pretty good job. Leading tackler for the for the game. Well, I would say Shamar Smith like last week, but he's questionable. So I'll go with Avery Roberts. Okay. Kicking game. Will the Bees be over or under 50%? <laughs> this has become the, the toughest question, I think. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Uh, well, I think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns, and the PATs will help them get above 50%. Okay, so we're going to over with that. Will the Beavers score over 35 points? Yes. And last one, will the Oregon State defense hold the Wildcats to under 200 yards rushing? No. Not a no. chance. Not a chance. Okay, he's he's like being – Carter is being bold on that one. Okay, there I have all your your answers written down, so – we are ready to go. And I think it is time to jump into some damn questions. So I got a few here. Some good ones. I think we got some good ones here. Andy Healy says, <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. Luton is doing a great job running this offensive system. Odds that he can get granted a seventh year season, a seventh <laughs> season next year. He can be our Brady. Call him Dr. Luton. He's laughing about it. So seriously, though, any word on what the coaches think of Jebbia and if he can come in and manage the offense in a similar fashion. Yeah, no, the, the narrative around the quarterbacks uh, throughout spring, fall, and even throughout the season is just that they can win with both guys and both guys can score points. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be any drop off at all next year with Jebbia coming in, especially with, you know, getting another year of experience uh, in practice and then you know that limited game experience that he's gotten this year I think um, you know I, I'm not going to go out and say that he's going to be better than Luton has been this year but um, you know they're they're kind of quarterback 1a 1b this year and so yeah to, to say that there's going to be a drop off at all next year would just be yeah you know, I, I don't think that'd be accurate yeah I, I completely agree um, go Beavs asks who is your prediction for the next commit in the 2020 class um, I'm going with Alton, Alton Julian. That's I'm, I'm thinking that's going to be this week. Um, he says, will Lavaca, Shamar, Eldridge, Tago, and Jefferson all be back for Saturday? Those guys are all either 50-50 or questionable. 
So that's whatever that, that means in, in this yes, questionable landscape of injuries. Yes. Yeah, so Smith is, like I said, very kind of nondescript with injuries. We did put out the injury report um, yesterday, Monday. So um, go Beavs. Make sure you go check out Beaver Blitz because it's on the front page and uh, you can check out, you know, kind of what Smith said and the latest there. I want to add real quick to oh. the uh, to the injury list there. Trevon Bradford. Now he's he's cleared injury wise, um, not quite in game form yet, athleticism wise, just because you know he's missed so much time. Um, Smith said that there is a possibility he could play. I think personally he sits out this week and plays the last four games of the year, but it is possible that we see him on the field this week. Yeah. Yeah, so he for sure is redshirting everyone. So, um, yeah, he's not, I don't think, in 100% game shape. But he's. it's not like he, I mean, he has been not cleared to play. But, you know, we've seen him, you know, moving around. It's not like he's just been in a in a boot the whole time. So, yeah. Um, but I don't think he's in that complete cardio game shape yet. Um, good point. Matthew Chiafoni says, while the Beavs have shown a lot of progress, are you nervous that some could be lost next year with a new QB? No, I mean, I think we addressed this a little bit with that last question. Yeah. Just that talent-wise, no, I don't see there being a whole lot of a difference between Luton and Jebbia. The only thing I could say would be maybe the, the leadership aspect of having a sixth-year guy. You know, maybe you miss out on that a little bit. But, um, you know, I mean, wait and see. I think Jebbia is, you know, he's he's an outgoing guy with the yeah, team at least. Yeah, a pretty good team so. leader and... What I'm more concerned about, though, is the lack of depth after Jebbia. Yeah. That's yeah, that part concerns me. Which, that's part of his second question. Then he just asks if there's any Jack Sears news. Jack Sears is, um, he's in the transfer portal from USC. He was the named fourth string quarterback at USC. Um, nothing new. I, I know Oregon State is looking at him. Um, and then Orange Army says that, you know, Sears looking at Oregon State and Utah. Yes, um, and I, uh, several others, a lot of, a lot of teams have reached out to Jack Sears, um, but nothing new on him. Um, the other transfer portal player, um, there's a few I'm watching right now pretty closely, but one, um, I know Oregon state is, is in contact with is Theo Howard, the wide receiver from UCLA. So, um, nothing new specifically on Jack Sears. I think there's a little ways to go. He is finishing up his degree at USC. So he will be a grad transfer in January. So it's not like he's going to be announcing any decision. It's not imminent or it doesn't have to be imminent. And then last, and this is a great one, aloha to Pablo, a.k.a. Paul Eakin. Um, He is in the aloha state. Will the Arizona game be a trick or a treat for Beaver fans? He is calling a major treat. What do you think, Carter? I don't know if it'll be a major treat, but I, I think it will be a treat. I think Oregon State's going to win this game, and I think people are going to be really excited to see what the offense can do. But um, you know, those questions about the defense, uh, I think, might might resurface against Arizona. Um, who, I mean, they move the ball really well. Um, yeah. You know, they have been a little inconsistent, but like I said before, I think it's a shootout, and I think Oregon State wins it. See, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell everyone right now I'm gonna take one for the team because I basically picked a loss against Cal. I picked a loss against UCLA. So I think I'm just gonna stick with my trend of picking losses. 
and then Go people can be pleasantly surprised because you know that's just kind of that little superstition comes in so carter halloween is coming up in two days are you a big halloween guy uh not as much as i used to be but okay are you I mean, a candy guy big time <laughs> okay favorite candy if in, if somebody is gonna you know bring you a bag of candy what would be like dream well i mean you remember this from the last game when you brought me reese's yes yes yeah that's, is it, that's is it my reese's? go-to okay yeah that's my that's my go-to candy See, I'm trying to stick away from candy. I told Carter off air that I rejoined a gym. And so um, I've like, I have the big bowl. My treat bowl is on the counter because it's a really cute little bowl. But I have been staying clear. No Skittles. I'm, I'm kind of a Skittles girl and Reese's yeah, I've and got, I've yeah, got basically candy problem. in general. Yeah, We've got so, a big bowl of Skittles here at the apartment and I can't stay away from it. So the, okay, uh, well. the discipline has not been strong this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Basketball is also starting up. I know you're heading to the exhibition game uh, tonight. Yep. And uh, gosh, they start next week. But um, stick with Beaver Blitz. And uh, Carter and I will be back next week, as well as in the lodge on game day, 140 kick Pacific time on Saturday. So we will see you there.